Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. You've probably heard the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It's meant to be motivational, encouraging us to take something bad that's happened to us and turn it into something good. Aaron Beam is the poster boy for making lemons out of lemonade. Aaron was one of the founders of a company called Health South. Health South was a healthcare provider that, at its height, was a Fortune 500 company. It was the largest company in Alabama with 40,000 employees in all 50 states. Aaron was the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. In 1996, in order to make the company's finances look more attractive, Aaron messed around with some numbers, suggesting that the company's revenues were different from what they actually were. When this tinkering came to light, it became one of the largest corporate frauds in the history of the United States, which it is till today. Aaron and others at the company went to federal prison. As part of his sentence, Aaron had to forfeit his substantial wealth and property. Erin has taken those lemons and turned them into lemonade. Today, Erin Beam is a public speaker, an educator, and an author who specializes in business ethics. Erin, welcome to Out to Lunch. It's good to be here. If you listen to this show, you know that I invite business people to lunch who have something in common. Roy de Villiers has not committed fraud. He has not spent any time in federal prison, and he's not run a Fortune 500 company. Roy does, however, take lemons and make lemonade. It's called Roy's Lemonade. It started out back in the 1990s when Roy was frustrated at not being able to get a glass of lemonade he liked at festival. So he came up with his own recipe and started selling lemonade himself at festivals. Today, Roy's Lemonade is on sale in 19 states. And when I say Roy hasn't run a Fortune 500 company, I might need to add yet. Roy, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Erin, we'll get to the business ethics in a minute, but I want to start by asking you something about your personal journey. You've had an opportunity to experience life in a way that very few of us ever have. We're always told that material wealth is irrelevant, that possessions can't make you happy. You went from being a successful, wealthy person to being a guy with a criminal record who had to cut grass for a living. So, from the position of someone who knows what it's like to be rich and have it all taken away, what's it actually like to make that transition? Can you, in fact, lose everything and remain happy? You really can. Uh, initially, when I first got out of prison and I was still just in shock that I'd messed my life up so badly, it was hard to start over. And as you mentioned, uh, initially I mowed lawns for a living because I was a felon. I'd forfeited all my wealth. I needed a job and I couldn't get a job. And I earned my first dollar when I was 15 years old mowing lawns. So I started mowing lawns. But my wife, who is so smart and knows me so well, and we've been married 48 years. And she stayed with you all through all, this. All through that. And um, got me to join the Catholic Church six years ago. She's a cradle Catholic and has been a big supporter of mine. And she was the one that suggested I start speaking, going to 
first, uh, LSU, where I graduated from, and speaking to the business students about what had happened to me. And during my first speech, I broke down and cried several times. I didn't think I could get through it, but I did. Why did you cry? Well, it was so emotional to stand in front of people and admit that I'd committed one of the largest corporate frauds. I, I didn't really think I'd react like that. I just thought, well, I'll tell my story and it'll be okay. But it was so emotional to tell it and to see people's faces, how they reacted to me. Um, and it was like that for several speeches. I, but I got through that. I got to where I could tell my story. And what I discovered is people wanted to not only know my story, but they wanted my advice on how to be ethical. Like what I had I learned from my experience? And I wrote my second book called Ethics Playbook. And today I've spoken to 80 different universities and um I've given about 500 speeches in the past 10 years. Wow. We will come back to that moment that changed your life in many ways. Roy, the success of Roy's Lemonade is a classic entrepreneurial tale. All you set out to do was wake one glass of lemonade, and you've ended up with a successful nationwide lemonade company. But there's obviously a part of this story missing. Somewhere between your kitchen counter and nationwide distribution, there's a dedication to something more than thirst. What is that something? What drives you to build a lemonade empire? Well, we just started out just to sell two or three glasses of lemonade, and then the next thing you know, we're here today. And this happened when you went to a festival and you didn't like the lemonade? Correct. I went to a festival, had three glasses during the day, and it tasted terrible. So I just came home and I said, you know, I think I can make a better lemonade. And I did. Went to a and that's where most people stop. They're like, hey, I made lemonade, I'm better than them, and they forget about it. Correct. And so what I said, I'm going to see if I can sell this to the general public. So I went to a retail store. What is it in you that went, I should sell this? Uh, just ambition to do something right. And so what I did is go, I went to a retail store and uh, asked them if I could set up on the weekends. And this wasn't just a little corner retail store, was no, it? No, no, it was not. <laughs> Which store was it, Roy? It was Walmart. <laughs> and I, I mean, asked that's him, where you start, isn't it? I've made some nice lemonade. Let me go to Walmart. Correct. And so the guy says, sure, you can do it on, on weekends. So I, I went. You were lucky. Out. Walmart is not usually that friendly. Well, this was years ago. <laughs> okay. And, and so th- they allowed me to do that. And the first day I go out there with two or three gallons of lemonade and I'm thinking I got way enough the next thing you know is hour later I'm out of lemonade so obviously I, uh, I pack up leave go home was it you or the lemonade combination of both but I think originally it was the lemonade and so the all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself well obviously I must have something that people like and then the next thing you know is we just keep doing more and more and more I have the lemonade here. Let me just... It's actually... You can taste lemons rather than sugar. It's that little pick-me-up that you want from lemonade. So much is so sweet. Correct. you deliberately made it that way? Correct. What we tried to do is... The biggest problem with lemonade is too tart. So what we tried to do is to minimize that as much as we possibly could. Do you have a secret recipe that you're willing to tell me right now? I have a secret recipe, but... uh, I think I'm going to keep it to myself for right now. (laughs) Hence the word secret recipe. (laughs) 
Erin, let's go back to the, the moment that, and I'm sure you've spoken about this and been asked about it lots of times, but there was a moment when you were asked to change some numbers. Did you know that you shouldn't be doing it at the time? I did, of course. So you asked, well, why did you do it? I've studied this a lot, and people, when they're doing something wrong, don't really think about the consequences of it. You would think they would. Because uh, you thought so, you had a clever idea you'd change sure, lots of small sure. numbers and exactly. no one would ever notice. Exactly. It's like somebody texting and driving. You don't ever imagine that you can kill somebody. But you can. You're driving a two-ton automobile 70 miles an but hour. But we always think not me. It doesn't count to me exactly. on that moment. Exactly. And so, you know, after I did it and I walked out of the room and realized what I'd done, and the next day when we reported phony numbers... I was like, what have I done? You know, I made such a mistake. Did you have that just that bad taste about everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the fraud went on for seven years, but I left in less than a year because I really couldn't live with myself. So. Um, and then were you just waiting to be caught? Was there always that? I left the company, and I uh, every time my doorbell rang or the phone rang, I thought it was the FBI, but... Uh, it, it didn't. It went on for seven years before... And so had you moved on and kind of forgotten yeah, about yeah. it? It wasn't haunting you the same? Exactly. I'd moved on. And you thought, that okay, that was a bad thing to do, but you know, no it, one's hurt. No, and no one's hurt, and I'm okay. And uh, I actually was watching TV one evening, and the news came on, and the announcer said, we opened tonight's news with a breaking story out of Birmingham, Alabama. Massive accounting fraud uncovered at HealthSouth. This is seven years down the road. And what did you do in that moment? I, I, I think I just sort of blacked out for a second because it was so unexpected. So did you, know? you hold tight and think, I'm not part of this? I hoped that somehow they really wouldn't prosecute me because... You left would, after I a left. year. And, yeah. and in the end, I only got three months in prison. And all the other guys got several years in prison. So I did, in a way, dodge a portion of a bullet. I only got wounded, uh, but I did go to prison. Just enough consequences to make you change your, change your life. life. In your initial question, what, did, uh, what is it like to have great wealth and lose it and look back? You know, it, it's taken some time, but I look back and I realize I had become addicted to my wealth. I, I wanted more stuff to get more excitement. Uh, I was up to five homes. I had all kind of cars, and it was just silly, you know. And I look back, and I can't, I can't believe that I got so caught up in the game of wealth. And today, I drive a Prius. I have one house. <laughs> I'm not the person I was back then. Are you and happy I don't want to go back. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with corporate ethics expert Erin Beam and Roy DeVillier from Roy's Lemonade. Roy, talking about people being happy, I meet a lot of people doing startups, and we tend to think of startups as a young person's thing. And I don't want, well, actually, I do want to ask you, what, how old were you when you started this company? Approximately 50 years old. And it was fun, and it's still fun today. And the main thing is, is you get to do a job and work at a job that you like. You meet fabulous people. I'm here today. And you travel a lot. You, you work out your vacations according to festivals around the country? That's correct. That's another one of the benefits of the job. You get to travel. 
we probably are in approximately eight to ten states during the year selling our lemonade. And it's fun. And where is it manufactured? You don't still make each glass yourself on the kitchen table? Do you have no. a giant factory in China? Well, how, how is this lemonade made? We are American-made. <laughs> but thank heaven that uh, we are doing such volume that I can't make it by myself. So I have, it's made in Dallas, Texas. In and Mass- what was your, your job before this? Uh, I was a registered pharmacist. I owned a drugstore for approximately 15, 16 years. And, and this is just a continuation of my retail it's business. It's mixing some potion to make people Correct. happy. Erin, when did you decide that you would you would talk about this? I know your wife suggested it, but and you did that first speech. Did you then think this is my new career? No, I, I thought it. I did terrible. About two a year or two after giving that one speech. I revisited the concept of maybe I have a message to talk about here. So if Roy called you now after the show and said, hey, can you show me how to be creative with my books? <laughs> what would you say to him? I would just laugh at him, you know. <laughs> I would just... Uh, uh, Aaron, I don't <laughs> think I would call. <laughs> I, I hope not. No. But uh, even like I was saying earlier, people will approach me and say, Aaron, you were really successful. I've got an idea for a business. Would you like to get into this business with me? You can make a lot of money. And I go, no. Success is no longer about I know, money. I'm, exactly. It's not about money. Now, I don't want to make a lot of money. I don't have to. I don't need it. I don't need it. So, uh, We've put you both here to lunch you haven't met before. Do you have a question for each other? Well, do you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm, that was his I'm question. a little bit, do you m- only sell it at festivals or do you sell it in supermarkets and stuff like that? We, we do sell retail at festivals and now we've gotten into the wholesale business. So we sell it to uh, uh, distributors who consequently put it out into uh, restaurants or also into convenience stores. Okay. So we have a combination of two divisions. One is retail, one is wholesale. It's working out extremely well for us. And do you only us. have lemonade or do you have other flavors? No. Oh, we only have lemonade. However, this year we just came out with a brand new flavor of strawberry. Wow. It's doing extremely well. And the customer uh, uh, is starting to really like it extremely well. Good. And Roy, do you have a question for Aaron? Well, Aaron, did you know you were getting into trouble when you did this oh yeah I, you, I, I mean i certainly we literally agreed to phony up the books oh to okay cook the books and i knew that was wrong i mean were you paid more to do this in a way uh my boss who um told me in essence to cook the books he, he was the founder of the company very wealthy and he stood to lose a lot of money if the stock went down. And he screamed at me and my accountant, we cannot report bad numbers. Get back in your office and get these numbers to where they need to be. So I was intimidated by the guy. He always carried a gun in his briefcase. And I didn't have the courage to stand up and do the right thing. My big downfall in all of this is I did not have the courage to do the right thing. I came to the pressures of Wall Street, the pressures of my boss, 
and cook the books. And we all have those little moments every day. You say yeah. we text and drive. Even when we're telling other people not to, especially our children. Yeah. And we think, oh, it won't hurt this one time. Oh, I'm, I'm at a light. I'm stopped. I should be able to do this. And we're not paying attention to what's around us. Exactly. We have those tiny little choices that we make every day. Sometimes we make the wrong choice, mm-hmm. but there aren't these enormous consequences. So I think everyone can understand that human condition. And especially when you know your boss carries you're, a gun in his bag. You are right on. I conclude my speeches with the statement that the big takeaway from all of this is it takes courage to be ethical every day. Not the kind of courage like you go into a building and save somebody that's about to burn up, but the day-to-day courage the courage to, to do, do the, right, the thing right thing when nobody else is watching. Exactly. And when you might right. not get caught. And it's a courage thing. Uh, because so many people, me at the time, just want to get down the road and we succumb to the pressures of whatever. So you were just trying to make the boss, the company, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to understand the guy. He's a, I mean, he literally did carry a, a gun in his briefcase. I mean... <laughs> This is the part of the show that we call your brother-in-law. You're finally getting done with work at the end of a long day when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally he only calls when he's got knocked off Netflix and he wants you to use your password. But this time it's different. This time he's got a great idea for you. Aaron, your brother-in-law says the other night when he used your Netflix password, he watched a movie called Catch Me If You Can. Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> plays a con yeah. man who ends up working on scams for the other side, the FBI. Your brother-in-law has a great idea. There should be a movie about you. How you went from riches and rags and back again. It's a classic Hollywood story. He's even got a great title for it, The Alabama Scammer. What do you think? Is your brother-in-law onto something? Um... He might be. I have had a call from Netflix, and they want to do a movie, a documentary about the entire Health South fraud. And who would For, play you? Who would you it, like it would to be play? A documentary. Oh, a documentary. A, a documentary. So it wouldn't be, oh, you know, somebody that, uh, George Clooney or somebody that looks like yeah. me, you know? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. 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 Awesome. And did you say Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in the business now of doing public speaking, and I need publicity, as you can understand, uh, for people to want to book me and have me speak. So if Netflix really comes through and does a documentary on it, it'll it'll be real good for me. And then what happens when you make lots of money again? I won't make lots of money. I won't charge. I I really don't charge a lot for my speeches. Uh, I'd like to keep speaking two or three more years so I can retire again. But um, if they offered me a huge amount of money, uh, I might take it and give it to charity. I just don't have that desire to be wealthy. But if one person watched that movie and changed their mind about something or made a different decision, it would be worth it. That would make me very happy. Uh, I speak to a lot of students that are majoring in accounting, and they're going to be faced with the kind of issues I was faced with. And I've already gotten emails and letters from these students saying, you've, you've made a difference in my life already. And that's, that's what helps me get away from the guilt that I have because people did lose millions and millions of dollars because of me. 
Roy, your brother-in-law is a big fan of Mike's Hard Cider. He's also done some research of this in New Orleans, where we had a lemonade-tasting daiquiri that was called an electric headbender. So, you can see where this is going. Your brother-in-law says, how about he joins your business and heads up a division of booze-infused lemonades called Roy's Electric Headbenders. All he needs is a little seed money to get the division up and running, and maybe a small van. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Well, I would tell him that I like his idea. I have uh, thought of it myself, but I am not in the the business for a partner. I think that... uh, uh, there is a market for what we're talking about, and uh, it's just a lot of paperwork that you'd have to do because of the nature of the product. So consequently, we haven't gone there, but we have talked about this before, and I think it would really be beneficial. The product would sell. It's just a lot of paperwork. and. So if a different company came to you and said, hey, we make alcohol and we'd like to buy lots and lots of Roy's lemonade and advertise that we mix it with our alcohol. I, I would jump on the bandwagon, yes. Yes, it, it would be uh, beneficial to both of us. So both of you are running, you have successful lives, but they're successful on your terms. Mine is, yes. Uh-huh. That's one of the, the big things I like about it. I can do and go when I want to. And and I'm the same way. When I was the CFO of a New York Stock Exchange Fortune 500 company, I had lots of bosses. Every investor out there wanted me to keep delivering good earnings, and I was tied to the wishes of bankers, my boss. Today, I answer to myself. That's it. If I give a good speech and people say, that was a good speech, it was important, so that, you mentioned, I'm controlling that. You mentioned retiring again. Again, yeah. Would you stop speaking if you retired? Well, I'll be 75 in November, uh, November the 14th. So uh, at some point, I do want to retire again. I want to uh, stop, you know, and enjoy the my senior years because I'm getting up there. You're, you're on your way. You're nowhere <laughs> on, near the I'm yet. on my way. So. I, I'm retired as we speak. Yes. I'm 74 years old. And so I work part-time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just a baby. <laughs> so I, I consider myself retired. I work when I want, and I do exactly what I want. So it's a, it's a good feeling. So here's a question for both of you. If you were starting again today, if you were 20, just coming out of college, what advice would you give yourself? Well, with the hindsight that I have now, mm-hmm. I would have majored in horticulture when I was in college, and I would be a big-time gardener. Plants don't sue you. They don't put any pressure on you to do anything, uh, and I enjoy gardening. (laughs) Uh, If I was 20 again, I would do exactly what I'm doing now. I would have just started much earlier. As, As of today, I probably started when I was approximately 50, but I would have had an extra 30 years there. So I enjoy what I do. It's great fun, and I would just continue to do it. So would you tell other people to find something they love and build a business around that? Absolutely. I think that's exactly Exactly. what you have to do. There's a lot of nodding going on here. Because the whole thing about it is you have to work your entire life, so why not do something that you like? I was a CPA, and I didn't even like accounting. (laughs) You know. So how did you get the decision to become a CPA? Because I majored in economics in college, and when I got out of college, I couldn't get a job as an economist. But I noticed that 
everybody had a set of books, and I'd taken enough accounting that I could keep books. And once I got into it, I said, well, I might as well become a CPA, and I did. But it was almost out of necessity because the degree I'd earned, I couldn't make a living with. I, I was lucky enough to go into pharmacy. I liked that field, and I always knew that there would be a job waiting for me, no matter what my age was. And times were different then. You chose something you thought would be your career forever. You didn't right. have the Correct. idea you could start a business. Correct. And yeah. do exactly. things you, your exactly. parents weren't telling you, just pick something you love. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And do you think these days the message has gone too far towards something you love and not practical, or do you think it's all about just doing things that you really enjoy? Actually, if, if you think about it, the best thing to do is to do the things that you enjoy. That's what's important. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it's gone too far. Uh, that's really happiness and peace of mind is so important. So. Exactly. And I, I agree. I, th I think the wisdom that you guys have shown today is just fantastic. And you've learned it the hard way, which means some of us can learn it a much easier way. Correct. I started out today's show by saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So maybe I should end with, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. Erin and Roy, you're both in businesses that neither of you would have predicted if you'd sat down and made a business plan. But things seem to have a strange way of working out. It's been great to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank, Thank you, you very much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Erin Beam, public speaker, author, and authority on business ethics, and Roy de Villiers, founder and owner of Roy's Lemonade. You can find out more about Erin's ethics and Roy's Lemonade by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius on lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Dustin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, 
and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. 